The following commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3241 or you can email radio at bnntv.org. Welcome to Life Matters. I'm your host, Brendan O'Connell. Well, uh, uh, sometimes there's everyday citizens that uh, weren't necessarily thinking they were going to get involved in something, but they did, and they made a difference. And, and we're talking to one of those people today. His name is Robert or Bob Sass, and he's from the small town called East Hampton, which is in the western part of Massachusetts. And uh, Bob, this had to do with an ordinance uh, that you found out about. Could you give us some background as to what this ordinance was all about and, and who proposed the ordinance and that sort of thing? Well, let me give you a little history. I, I knew nothing about the ordinance before I got involved in it, to be 100% uh, honest with you, Brendan. I was on my couch after a knee injury um, waiting for the month that I waited to see an orthopedic surgeon. It turns out I had a torn ACL. And uh, while I was waiting, I received a call from uh, somebody that, that I knew uh, that was very active in pro-life of the Pioneer Valley. And he said that, I want to give you a heads up. There, your town's trying to pass an ordinance that could potentially impact the Bethlehem House, which is a pregnancy resource center located on the grounds of uh, Our Lady of the Valley Catholic Church in East Hampton. He knew I was Catholic. He knew I was a resident of East Hampton. And I think ultimately he knew that I just uh, would get involved. Uh, so he passed some information. I started researching it and uh, had plenty of time. I was on my couch for uh, almost a month <laughs> and started to uh, formulate kind of a response and a strategy uh, on how we'd uh, defeat the ordinance. The ordinance was introduced by a city councilor by the name of Owen Zaret. And uh, it was uh, really geared at deceptive, quote unquote, deceptive practices of, uh, he alleged, of pregnancy resource centers. And uh, the original ordinance was extremely onerous. Uh, it came with fines. They, uh, the city, the intent of the ordinance would have weaponized the Department of Health as somebody that could uh, determine fines. Um, and the fight began. Um, Can I ask you, The ordinance was originally proposed in May of 2022. I got involved in July 
June or July of 2022, and uh, we didn't resolve this for a year. Um, mm -hmm. So we, uh, the ordinance was successfully defeated in July of 2023. Uh-huh. And what was the ordinance seeking to fine? What, what kinds of fines were they talking about? Um, initially, it was pretty, I mean, the fines were light. Is anybody found to be, uh, or not anybody, any pregnancy resource center found to uh, not giving complete information or deceptive practices could be fined by the city through the Department of Health $300 per occurrence. Mm -hmm. And uh, you said you built a, a coalition and attended every town and subcommittee. Uh, how did that help? And um, I note that the first ordinance was defeated without prejudice. What does that mean? Well, it wasn't defeated. It was uh, retracted or pulled without prejudice. Um, basically, Owen Zarrett brought it back uh, we put up a, a pretty good defense uh, to reformulate the ordinance. And that was probably at the, I, I don't recall exactly, but maybe the end of last year, beginning of this year. And uh, without prejudice means that he can reintroduce um, a new ordinance uh -huh. um, of this. And ordinances are laws rather than, a resolution, which is, you know, kind of a proclamation that means nothing. Um, and this was totally ridiculous. Uh, when the Hampshire Gazette interviewed Owen Zarrett and asked him, why is he even doing this? He said, because Planned Parenthood asked them. Even though Planned Parenthood is, has no assets in the city of East Hampton whatsoever. Um, when we talk about a coalition, of course, we had pro-life, uh, the folks from pro-life pro of um, the Pioneer Valley. We had uh, the pro-life commission for the Diocese of Springfield. Um, we had Mass Citizens for Life involved, Mass Family Institute involved, and they brought in First Liberty, which is, uh, uh, I guess you could say a pro bono conservative law firm. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, the Diocese of Springfield. Mm -hmm. So we had a number of people uh, attending each of these meetings, and uh, we were diligent on continuing to fight and speak publicly. In the city of East Hampton, there's approximately 15,000 residents. What I think the city councilors were surprised, at least on the books, Our Lady of the Valley Catholic Church has 5,000 members. Wow. So doing the math roughly, that would mean that there's, you know, one in three shot that you're taking a shot against the parishioners of Our Lady of the Valley, who happen to be very proud of the Bethlehem House. Uh, the Bethlehem House was started by a woman by the name of uh, Pam Hibbert. Uh, Pam has uh, done this really on her own. She has a small board. It, it, uh, there are no employees. Um, basically, what they provide 
to a woman who decides she wants to keep her baby that may be not of strong financial means, they provide diapers, bottles, bedding, blankets, toys, and clothes to the mother for the first two years of the baby's life. And uh, it's supported by the entire diocese. Every parish in the diocese has fundraising activities for the Bethlehem House. Now, uh, they, they tried to bring back the ordinance a second time. What, and didn't the mayor or the mayor had promised to veto it? And what happened then? Yeah, what happened is um, by this time, uh, First Liberty and Mass Family Institute were directly involved, uh, not as much attending the meetings, but following up in written correspondence. And basically, they had written the mayor saying it was their intent that if this ordinance passed to file a federal lawsuit um, because it impacts freedom of speech, freedom of religion, et cetera. And uh, the mayor being uh, an attorney uh, was very, uh, you know, she was very schooled on what the cost of the city would be to defend this. And her position all along is the city can't afford this financial risk. And that was key to our, um, you know, the arguments is that the ordinance really had no value to the residents. There's never been any complaints in the Bethlehem House. And second, it exposed the taxpayers, the city of which I am one of them, to undue risk. And uh, the mayor was quoted and stated uh, in a council meeting that her intention would be to veto this um, because of the financial risk. And, and did, she, was she there, actually did it. <laughs> and was there, was there an override attempt of the mayor's veto? Yeah, there was an override attempt, and uh, they fell one sh vote short. Uh-huh. Well, that's, that's good news. That's one a of the councilors, actually the president of the city council, uh, changed his vote, and uh, we thank God for that. Uh-huh. Now, um, but the key is there was a lot of people fighting. It wasn't just me. And I want to give credit to everybody that fought. I mean, uh, I might have looked, people might have seen me as a ringleader. I'm not uh, as well liked in the city of East Hampton by some people now. But, uh, you know, as a, as a Knight of Columbus, our job is to defend our faith. Mm-hmm. And uh, now, what the other side uh, put forth resources. I, I understand Planned Parenthood was on the other side pushing this. And what were they going? Were they claiming false advertising? What what were they claiming? No, they really weren't. They, in fact, they they even said that they don't. Uh, uh, you know, let's face it. Uh, Planned Parenthood's a business. It's a business that exists from revenues that are gained through abortions. If we offer women an alternative to an abortion, that's an alternative that's taken advantage, we're cutting into their pocketbook. Mm -hmm. And that's why they were against it. Mm -hmm. But you had all kinds of interesting people uh, at the, uh, the city council meetings. Uh, Planned Parenthood, uh, a group called Reproductive Equity Now, uh, there were people from the Lawyering Project, which is kind of the, similar to First Liberty, but on the other side of the 
the the the uh, the coin, uh, the National Women's Law Center, um, educators by the name of Carrie Baker, Jennifer McKenna, uh, all advocating for this ordinance. And with those educators, even had the Massachusetts. Let me see if I can get this right. The Massachusetts Communist Workers Party as well. What's, wow, that's something. And, uh, now, uh, the second week of August in 2022, this is uh, just uh, two months, not even two months after the Dobbs decision came down. Uh, there was vandalism. Uh, can you explain what was going on out there? Uh, was it yeah, just, was I, it... I, in fact, it's been published. There's pictures available, et cetera. Um, some characters, I understand from the police, there were three masked people. Uh, they s said if abortion's not safe, either or you, they had the spray painted on the building. They also had uh, uh, it painted on the building, uh, Jane's Revenge, uh, all in red paint uh, on the building, on statues, on uh, kind of a garden cité around the statues, uh, it was it was horrible. And the a woman lives in the Bethlehem house by the name of Pan Hibbert. She's the uh, the director, and obviously she was terrified uh, when she woke up in the morning and saw all this. Mm -hmm. Were they statues of religious uh, people? Or? Yes. Yes. Or was it a statue um, of you? One of these. No, not a statue. <laughs> They're not elected. They're not God. I don't. Uh, I don't deserve a statue. But uh... so um, you now, uh, who was Noreen Coleman? She she did she play a vital role? Maureen Coleman. Noreen. Oh, uh, Noreen Coleman. Yes. Nori Coleman. Nori oh. Coleman is the daughter of Pam, who is the uh, founder of the Bethlehem House. And Nori is a, a woman of color. And uh, it, it just was, uh, it, it was a very interesting city council meeting. Um, every city council meeting starts with the public speak. And this is where individuals have the opportunity to speak and then when there's an ordinance there once again is another public speak um so we heard from a dissertation from uh, a gentleman of color from uh planned parenthood speaking on why uh this ordinance was important and needed and uh you know uh so important to the city and uh what a lot of people don't realize is uh, uh, Pam started this because as a, a pregnant woman uh, many, many years ago with uh, a child, you know, uh, Pam is white, a child of color. She got little no support from her family, from anybody to have this baby. And she decided she was going to have it. She also decided at that point that she was going to do something material with her life to ensure that no other woman has to face this. So Nori lives in the area with her with her husband, Joe, and their uh, I think they have eight children. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
the gentleman from Planned Parenthood spoke and then Nori spoke and mm -hmm. she lambasted him that how can a black man be part of Planned Parenthood when the history of Planned Parenthood started as part of what was called the Negro Project, which was really started by Sanger to uh, reduce the black population in the United States. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you, you know the history of oh, Planned Oh, yeah, sure, I know it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, she made that guy feel about this big. <laughs> Can I ask, um, uh, what? Uh, uh, the, so the threat of litigation, the mayor being an attorney herself, what, what are we talking about if, if, you, if they were, for instance, I don't know, can you appeal an ordinance? Or um, I guess you can repeal an ordinance, but what would you be- You can repeal what, it, but once it's approved, it's, it becomes a matter of law in the city. It does. Okay. So what would have happened is uh, uh, Mass Family Institute working together with First Liberty would have filed a federal lawsuit. And uh, you know, to a city the size of East Hampton, you're, you're looking at, even if it was dismissed at some point, you can go through hundreds of thousands of dollars. And if, if it worked the full, you know, the full, to the full term, it could be millions of dollars. Wow. So, so, so the mayor was very astute in, in her feelings about this. She was. Now, yeah. uh, what, what uh, word of optimism do you have for pro-lifers then that are going to, you know, for instance, here in the Boston area, Somerville is contiguous to Boston. They're, they're far left, and they've passed some uh, types of restrictive ordinances. Well, they passed the same ordinance that was originally proposed in East Hampton. In fact, Kristen, I don't recall her last name, one of the city councils for uh, Somerville came and spoke at, at the first ordinance meeting, or the first city council meeting I attended. Um, and, uh, you know, I think the most important thing, if we can win in the city of East Hampton, which is a very far left liberal city, you can win anywhere if you mounted a significant defense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, now, you know, rally your resources. Yeah. Now, I wanted to ask you also about uh, you. You uh, have feel that the pro-life movement needs to uh, attack the whole issue of abortion in a certain way. What What is that? Well, ma manner that you. I've gotten involved, uh, as you know. I'm now on the board of pro-life of the Pioneer Valley, um, you know, I, uh, I swallowed the hook, line and sinker. Um, <laughs> and I'm also vice president of pro-life of the Pioneer Valley. And I, I've long maintained that we're not going to change this situation that we face in Massachusetts legislatively. Okay. The, the, the winds are just against us. They're, they're pushing us away. What we should really be doing is going after abortion the same way uh, the pro-abortion people uh, whittled away at this. You know, um, over the years, it's become more and more and more acceptable for an abortion um, now to the point of uh, uh, 
they can offer abortion services right up to the birth of the, uh, the baby. If you look at the statistics, most people, like 70-some percent of the people, are against late-term abortions. Why don't we go after the things that we know will resonate with voters and kind of walk it back over time rather than thinking that we can change something legislatively, which I don't think we could. We could get, you know, if we could ever get it on a, a, a vote, you could, you could walk back late-term abortions because mm -hmm. most people are, are against it. Not for it. And what about taxpayer-funded abortions? Well, as we know it federally, it's still against the law. However, when you look at the states, the states are free to use their resources the way they want. So the state covers it where the federal government uh, walks it back. I mean, I, I think you can go after those things, but... We're going to need to change people's hearts and minds. Mm -hmm. That's the only way to really fix this tragedy that happens every day. That's why I do this show, is to change hearts and minds. And um, the, the, uh, I had uh, listened to Jim Bopp Jr. talk about, uh, he said, uh, we need... Um, reason bans, reasons, uh, for instance, the trafficking of women or abortion-inducing drugs or radical Democrat uh, prosecutors. That's one thing that, you know, not enforcing criminality penalties and um, remove licenses of abortionists and civil penalties for illegal abortions and organizing an enterprise like a RICO-like law um, in other words, um, seize bank accounts and equipment. Uh, uh, those are reason bans versus a, for instance, there's talk in Congress of a 15-week ban. Now, now most abortions, 95% of abortions happen by the 15th week, maybe more. So, it, and, you know, you see uh, the, the birth, um, uh, the heartbeat bill is, yeah, that's about, uh, I, uh, I forget exactly how many days, but it's like within a month or so, maybe a month and a half, you can hear the heartbeat of a child. But they, uh, they, those do not uh, deal with, uh, they're more on a time basis. They don't, uh, and Bob thinks we should... Uh, go at it a little bit differently than, than we have uh, because, uh, for instance, they're going to bring up rape, incest, and the health of the mother, uh, which you can drive a Mack truck through. Uh, and, um, and most people say, oh, yeah, well, let's keep abortion because of those reasons. But those only represent uh, maybe 5% or less, maybe only 1% when it comes to rape and incest. So, um, anyways, uh, those are yeah, things. Yeah, I that... mean, they're, they're very, they're very small numbers when you look at, you know, the million babies that are killed every year. Um, that's a small percentage, and that is the argument that most reasonable people 
will make against abortion. But mm -hmm. that speaks to what I was saying, that there's absolutely no reason that we should be doing late-term abortions. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and they're no happening. reason. <laughs> and and most, most people would agree with that. Yep. And, you know, if we walk that back, we can continue to walk back as you change hearts and minds. Mm -hmm. Now, the, the sad thing is, in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, the, yeah. on, the only people that have as liberal abortion rules as we do are people in China, Iran, and Russia. All and through Europe, Canada. nobody has. Canada What's had, the other one? Canada. They, they got rid of well, them under the... Pierre Trudeau, back back in the 1980s, I think, they got rid of the abortion laws and said, oh, we're going to come up with something better, and never did. So it's you can do anything in Canada, which is kind of... Vietnam is another uh, country that has these uh, very... There's only about five or six that uh, have the same as the United States, basically. So Yeah. I mean, even France, that's a pretty liberal country does not have as liberal laws as we do. Mm -hmm. Yep. And uh, falling birth rates, uh, tremendous falling birth rates in uh, Western Europe. Uh, it's, it's sad to see, but that's the way it is. So, well, I really appreciate you coming on the show today and um, explaining, you know, you, it, it's a heartfelt victory for the people in the Pioneer Valley uh, that, uh, and your city uh, you, you've only got 15,000 people in your city. I, that's, is East Hampton an actual yeah. city? And um, It's a city. Because that's a small population for a city, uh, 15,000. Yeah. 15, I've only lived here for 10 years, so I can't speak to why it was structured as a city rather yeah. than a town, but it's a city. I see. And <laughs> approximately 15,000 people here. Very good. Well, uh, Bob, thank you so much for coming on the show today. We uh, enjoyed uh, hearing about uh, your efforts in East Hampton, and we hope that encourages other folks to uh, get involved in the pro-life movement. Uh, you can make a difference. Uh, even if you're not involved at all, you, you can come up the ladder very quickly. And we hope, folks, you found today's show to be unique, informative, content-rich, truthful, and thought-provoking. Thanks for watching and listening. My name's Brendan O'Connell, your friend for life. The preceding commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to the Boston Neighborhood Network at 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Mass., 02119. Attention WBCA LP 102.9 FM. If you would like to arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3241 or email us at radio at bnntv.org.